Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. This has been a, a tough week uh, for certainly for the people of France, but also uh, for everyone in the world that uh, believes in freedom and wants to fight against tyranny, um, as probably everyone by now knows. Um, well, we found out Shabbos morning when we saw the paper. A lot of people who are Shomer Shabbos got the news after Shabbos is over that there was a major terror attack. Some people are calling it the 9-11 um, of France. Over 120 or at least 129 people killed on Friday night throughout the country. Um, and, you know, in terms of who we bring on the show, uh, we always want to somehow connect it to our brand, which is showing a different side of Orthodox Jews or something about, you know, Orthodox Jewish life. I was thinking it might be meaningful to speak to an observant Jew living in France right now to kind of get a, a feeling um, of what it's like to be living with observance. You know, so many of us, thankfully, can live freely and without fear of persecution, without fear of retribution. Uh, in many parts of the world, there's obviously a lot of challenges going on right now, simply to be a Jew in Israel, but so many of us enjoy freedom. And actually with Thanksgiving coming up in just a week, which really celebrates religious freedom that we have here in the States, and Hanukkah coming up a little bit after that, which you know is the fight to observe freely, um, I think it's important for us to you know, kind of uh, think about and hear firsthand about some people who are not as free to observe Jewishly. My own personal connection with France and Fran the French people starts back probably to middle school. I had, um, I had kind of crazy dreams that I would grow up and move to Paris and be a model or something crazy like that. So I started uh, studying French in seventh grade. I studied it for many years and um, never got even close to fluent. Um, and um, one time actually someone told me recently, a Frenchman told me recently that I speak Hebrew like a Frenchman and I speak French like a Canadian, so um, I, I have tried, but um, so we're going we're gonna to do our uh, interview today in English, um, since uh, Rachel Yarak's uh, English is much better than my French, and so uh, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. You're calling from a suburb outside of Paris, and uh, we, we really appreciate your, uh, your input, so uh, can I say bienvenue? Is that a good uh, thing to say? Yes, it is the right word. Thank you okay. for inviting me. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. So um, just want to get a little background on sort of like, you know, what your connection to living there is. You know, most Jews, wherever we are, unless it's the land of Israel, most of us are immigrants at some point or another. So how long has your family been in France for? My family arrived in France in the 1920s okay. from Poland. And where, where did they come from? Um... From Stettler around Lublin and from Krakow. Okay, fine. So fine. So you're from an Ashkenazi background. So from uh -huh. yes. Inter interesting. My association with uh, most of the Jews in France is more, I seem think more Sephardic, but I guess there's the Ashkenazi uh, population as well. And were you was your family always in the Paris area, or they were in different parts of the country? Always in Parisian area. Always Parisian, uh huh? And and what about your Jewish background? Was your family always observant? Did you become more observant at some point? I was raised more like modern Orthodox, and then I became more yeshivish over years as a teenager. Uh huh. And um, <clears throat> so I mean, I, you know, France 
I guess, you know, the population, there's a whole lot of people going to Israel right now. At one point, it was one of the largest Jewish populations with lots of yeshivas and lots of learning. Does it still feel like that's the case, that there's still a, a lot of uh, Torah learning going on? Or is it starting to feel like less and less shuls, less and less, um, you know, yeshivas that are open? Well, there are still schools and yeshivot opening, yeah. but it's not as nice as it used to be because of the Islamism. Yeah. And so can you walk us back? Um, when do you have a memory, or is there a specific event, or maybe it happens slowly over time? Could you pinpoint it when the Jews of France started to feel that things got bad? Because I'll tell you, I was there in 2000, um, you know, uh, there's, I don't know if you'd have the cartoon The Simpsons in France. Um, Bart Simpson, one of the characters, went to France for a while and became fluent. So I thought if I just, you know, live with a French family for like a month, I'll probably finally end up fluent. So that did not happen. I remember one time uh, the family was like 10 people. They had a bunch of kids in this little Parisian apartment. They were telling a joke. Everybody was laughing. At one point, they noticed that me and the baby were not laughing because neither of us got the joke, and they laughed even harder. So um, I was there in 2000 trying to become fluent. Alas, it did not happen. Things seemed pretty safe back in those days. So do you have a memory of when things started to turn for the worst? Well, it was over time, but it really became worse in the summer 2014, uh -huh. I would say. Yes, that's Recent, when there were demonstrations for Palestine, and they turned into riots. Aha, uh -huh. okay, fine. So so the war in Gaza, um, so the, I remember yes, so watching that. So those are the synagogue riots, and people were screaming death to the Jews in the streets, and um, so that was a whole new level. And, and was yes, that just sort of when like... it really went crazy. Mm -hmm. And was that the sort of thing where um, it was kind of... Um, a little bit crazier for a while, but then things went back to normal, or did life never feel the same for a Jew after that point? They went back to normal, but when we saw that even the policemen were attacked, even non-Jewish shops attacked, we felt there was something new going on. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, and, you know, obviously there's been, you know, some crazy attacks that we've heard, you know, um, kind of, again, from offshore, from afar, like the, you know, the torture and murder of uh, Ilan um, Halumi, which, you know, obviously was uh, just uh, reprehensible. Are there any other, you know, and every so often I feel like there's some, you know, uh, attacks that will make it to the news, so much of it's not reported. Have there been any brushes with terror that have, and also, I guess, uh, in Toulouse, the, the murder of, of those children, the father, has there been anything that's kind of affected anyone in your circle of friends or anything that's come close or has it kind of been more distant or? It has been more distant, but last summer it was not about Jews, but there was a plan to attack churches in my area. And it was pretty shocking because a young mother who was not Jewish was killed in the process. Oh, so they were attacking churches too. So this is not just against shuls and Jews. That this is uh, so you're saying this sort of Islamic extremism is going yes, after. It, it, now it is really against anyone. Oh my goodness! Wow. Hmm. And so is there a certain you know? It's interesting because I think the French people, the the Christian French people, maybe it's a little bit of a mixed bag in terms of their feelings about Jews. 
Um, you know, sometimes they, I guess, you know, in World War II, they were protective, but maybe other parts, they kind of gave their Jews over. Do you have a feeling with the, the Christian Frenchmen that you live amongst, um, do you feel like that the sort of Islamic extremism that's coming out has brought the Jewish and Christian communities together, or do you think maybe there's still a feeling of, you know, we don't like you so much either, you Jews? Well, now they're so angry and so afraid about the Muslims that I think they start liking us more. Before, I would say mostly they didn't care. They were like, it's far from them, the Muslims and the Jews are fighting. But now they're getting closer to us. And the more right-wing or so, they like us better. Because the left-wing is more about Palestine. It's so interesting, but there's also, so yes, for sure, the left wing is about Palestine and supporting the Palestinians, but there's also the right wing side that's more um, kind of provincial and we don't want, they kind of see Jews as outsiders too. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think both sort of extremes could could be anti-Semitic. Yes, both extremes are not good. Both extremes, gosh. <laughs> when, you're, when your enemies on both sides can agree with each other on, on different extremes, all different ways to hate the Jews. Um, mm-hmm. And um, is that the sort of thing that you're seeing a lot of, um, I'm saying before the violence, you know, erupted in the summer of 2014, you know, I think we saw some of it here um, in, you know, New York as well. We, walking through the city and seeing protests for Gaza and people were staging these protests where they were, you know, painting themselves in red paint to look like they had been killed. I mean, really graphic and grotesque and very much in your face. And also some, you know, people attacked in Los Angeles and New York for wearing yarmulkes. What is it like to walk around as a Jew now in the country? Are, can men wear yarmulkes? Can, I'm saying like if you're, you know, part of the yeshivish Haredi community, you have a certain way that you dress that, you know, doesn't quite blend as much. Do you, <clears throat> do you feel like they can recognize you as looking like a Jew? Well, for women, it is easy because they, they don't really see anything. For men, it depends on the area. In Islamic areas, I would say it's better to wear a cap. In other areas, it can be really very safe or it can be in between. It really depends on where you are. Mm-hmm. Did you see that video? There was a, a friend of mine named Svika Klein, who's a journalist from Ariv, did a, a video that <clears throat> that went viral, I think, like, 10 hours of a Jew walking through Paris where he wore his yarmulke in the Islamic areas. Did you happen to see this? I think I saw it, yes. Uh, if it's the video I'm thinking about, my friends and I were a bit confused because mostly our husbands go around with kippahs and mostly nothing happens. Uh-huh, interesting. So, you know, as as is all the time with media, um, the most extreme examples are shown. So I think what he did, what he he went to, you know, sort of the populations that are least friendly to Jews. Um, to yeah, find, probably. I, yeah, I think to, to test out sort of what would happen, meaning the areas that your husbands and your husband's friends always avoid because they know that it would be insane to walk there with a yarmulke. I think the purpose of the video was to capture on camera what would happen if a Jew would dare to walk there with the yarmulke on, what kind of curses and, you know, and threats they would yeah, get. Um, but, of course, that the thing is that it's good to talk to someone who, you know, is living in the safer parts because it's always good. We always like to show the perspective, the full nuance, to be aware that, you know, um, there's danger, but also that 
Jewish life is is continuing, and there is uh, you know some some normalcy within the you know the not normalcy. So what does that mean? You know, I'm thinking of the holidays. I'm thinking of Jews walking around with a lulav and an esrog, of building sukkahs, of you know displaying menorahs in their windows. Do those things feel like safe things to do in in the parts of the country that you're living in? Oh yes, this is mostly not a problem except really in the very bad areas that even white people don't want to live in anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, you can see really, if you Google Hanukkah lighting and a name of a city in France or Sukkot, and you can see a ton of pictures. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there is still, a, it's so interesting because I think, you know, maybe especially since that video with this uh, with this man, Svika, my sense was that maybe everyone is in hiding right now and that, you know. But there was meaning after the <clears throat> after the riots in Paris, there was a time that, that Shabbos, the rabbis told people to stay home, don't go to shul, right? Meaning like did that, that spread beyond these, uh, these rougher neighborhoods, am I correct? Yes. There are things that are spreading everywhere, and the real problem is the Islamism. As long as it's there, it can strike anywhere. But there are really places with more danger, either for Jews or in general for terrorism, more symbolic places or big cities. Mm-hmm. It really depends, but it's spreading everywhere. Hmm. What... Um what kind of a response did you get? Um, was, first of all, was that attack that happened, Charlie um, Hebdo, and the attack on the kosher marketplace, was that in Paris proper? Was that anywhere near where you lived? How far away was that from, from your home? So Charlie Hebdo, it was in Paris proper, okay. and Hypercacher, it was on, on the limit between Paris and Vincennes, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. It wasn't in my area, but it wasn't so very far either. Mm-hmm. And was there, did you feel a certain outpouring of love or support or anything like that from, you know, the, your French, uh, you know, countrymen or brethren? Was there a sense that the French community was doing any sort of outreach or, you know, kind of um, with you after that attack? Yes, I felt there was really, really a big, Outpour of support because they just had Charlie Hebdo, so they really knew what it was about. Mm-hmm. So that that's nice. That's it's always encouraging to to hear that. Um, but then something something different seems to have happened this past Friday night. This attack seemed to have been to a whole other level. Am I correct oh, yeah. on that? Is that the feeling of the people right now in France that? Um, you know, where this the way that this the terrorism happened, the the scope of it, the you know, the fact that it was random and not. I even heard some, some people say, "Well, Charlie Hebdo was connected to freedom of speech and you know, offending their you know, their prophet and well, the kosher attack. Those are Jews. They don't like them anyway. But you know, how dare they you know attack us? You know, in our you know." Uh, in our social lives, in our restaurants, in our stadiums. Do you, do you think that this was another level, and, and for what reason? Yes, it was really, really random, and at the same time, it was targeted at things that are really symbolic of friends, like the arts, the food in the restaurant, mm-hmm. going out, the social life. So people are really, they are scared, but they are very, very, very angry, really. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it seems like they're, you know, they have, uh, I mean, the French, I don't know, prime minister or president, I'm kind of confused as an American, um, and he's really, you know, saying that we're going to, you know, be pitiless in our response, um, which I think is great. I, I think that terrorists only um, respond to, you know, more force, uh, you know, from, from yeah, stopping them. And do, is there any sort of a feeling of, is there any feeling of hope in France, in the streets of France, that maybe we can turn things around and, and things will get better and we can kind of gain control over the insanity of what has happened in the country or more of a feeling of hopelessness? How What would you say the sort of, you know, climate in the country is in terms of how people's thoughts are? There is hope, but also there is a feeling that it should have been done really earlier and not after such a big thing. And my husband, who works a lot with non-Jews, he hears people who say, non-Jewish people who say that they are saving money to try to send their child to America or something. Even many non-Jews now, they, they really they despair a bit. They think, okay, we have woken up, but isn't it a bit too late? Wow, so even they, huh, so we know about the Jews that want to go to Israel, and even non-Jews are thinking of getting out of the country. Oy vavoy. And so is this something, how, I'm saying, you know, where I live, um, you know, every year probably in my kid's school, you have three or four families that make Aliyah. What kind of numbers are in your community of people making Aliyah each year? Well, that really, really depends on the, on the social circles. Some circles are more on the, how to say, datilumi. You yeah. see what I mean? Really Zionistic. Yeah. And they always had a desire to live there, so now they really have also a motivation to live. So those ones are living a lot. Yeah. And you have those who don't want to live at all. And you have those who want to go to London or to go to Canada, because French people, Jews and non-Jews, often are monolingual. So Canada mm -hmm. is easier because they can speak French. Right, right. Aha. Uh -huh. So it's not, so it's interesting also because my, my feeling, and maybe I've hung out more with the Dati Lumi crowd, modern Orthodox crowd, but I have a sense of, you know, just droves and droves coming out. But you're saying that's feeding into kind of a Zionism that they had before, but more in the Haredi crowd. Either they're staying or they want to go to Canada or London or just to be safer. And is that something that I'm saying is, do you feel safe? Does your family feel safe enough to stay for now? Or is there a certain point that you'll say if, you know, X, Y, or Z happens, at that point we're out? Is, is everyone making a plan like that? Or you just kind of are seeing how life goes? Well, for us, we really would like to go to America, but it's really complicated. We have been trying for a year, but you need someone to hire the, the person and to, to go file at the immigration service. So it's really complicated to live. Wow. So the feeling is, and would you say that, that most of your friends and most of the people in your community are looking for an exit plan out of France to some other location? There are many people who are thinking or speaking of, of living, but when you really talk to them, they say, oh, I would like, but not, not many are really, really motivated enough to really do something, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. More just in my circles, I mean, in other circles, many are going to do Aliyah. You also have a certain kind of Jews who want to go to Florida. There are really all types. 
Got it. Yeah, we have the Jews that go to Florida here. It's called uh, senior citizens in the winter. We call them snowbirds. What about, um, do, you, do, do you find that, um, is there a shift in people's relationship to observance with this increase of attacks? Meaning, do you find that um, it being more dangerous to be a Jew, uh, you know, with this new threat is making people feel less connected, makes them want to run from their observance, from their Torah study, from identifying as Jewish because they feel like it's dangerous? Or do you think it's strengthening their resolve that, you know, we won't be stopped, um, you know, Am Yisrael Chai? Have you noticed if there's a trend, you know, one way or the other as sort of uh, it's gotten more dangerous to be a Jew? Well, in France, in general, there is for a long time already a huge wave of massive, massive tshuva. But huh. now with the event, there are people who are not from, but as support, they want to go to the kosher supermarket or even to wear a kippah. Huh, just to be in support because the more that they attack, they say to them, uh, well, you know, that's... <laughs> I, I, it's such a difficult balance to, to be a Jew because when we get so comfortable, like in the U.S., yes, we've had some, you know, anti-Semitic attacks, but I think we get so comfortable, you know, in a land and it starts being a existential threat to be a Jew and suddenly Jews look outward and they see, oh, well, we could eat this food if we didn't have kosher and we could wear these styles if we didn't, you know, dress modestly and the look becomes outward always. And then the minute that it starts to be a threat to be Jewish, there is some sort of, uh, you know, strengthened resolve. We have even, um, every year for Jew in the City, we name 10 Jews who are, who are at the top of their professional fields. Um, and one of the men that we interviewed for this uh, Orthodox Jewish All-Star Awards, a professor at MIT, Jeremy England, he was raised with a non-Jewish father, a, a Polish-Jewish mother who was a child, you know, of uh, Holocaust survivors, you know, lived there, always kept the Judaism quiet and closed off and, you know, didn't know much about it. And But when he went to Oxford on his Rhodes Scholarship and he saw the anti-Zionism and the anti-Semitism, it was that sort of negativity and hatred of his people that actually pushed him to explore more about who he was and why there were such strong feelings against his people, and that was what pushed his tshuva. So is there, um, do you have a sense about what percentage of the French population is observant versus traditional, or? That's really, really difficult, because in France, and I would say in Europe, it is really a continuum. You don't have uh, little boxes. Well, you have them, but not as much as in America and much less than in Israel. So mm -hmm. it's difficult. Sometimes you think someone is Shomer Shabbos and you discover not totally, or you think, oh, that one, she can't be from, and in fact she is really observant in some way. Got it. But I would say it's really growing. Uh-huh. And, um, and th there's not maybe the same division of reform and conservative, meaning most shuls in France are orthodox, and then the person is just either Shomer Shabbos or not. Is that kind of the, the line? Yes, we almost don't have this movement. We have a small reform movement we call liberal, but okay. it's really a, a choice to go there. I mean, there aren't many, many shuls for them at all. So most people just go to the local Orthodox shul, even 
It's orthodox even if most go there by driving. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I understand. But it's more of that traditional thing, kind of like a little bit of an Israeli yes. type of style. And can I ask you, what was yes. the Shabbos project something that was pretty big in France? Was that something that, that uh, you guys were participating in? Oh, yes, it was huge this year. Really, it, they, they did all over France, even in small communities, there were things. In Paris, it was huge. In Créteil also, I found some pictures because I couldn't attend because of the kids. So really, it was a, a huge event with dancing, singing, women doing the challah. It was yeah. really nice. Uh-huh. So it's such a, <laughs> you know, I feel so mixed about this because obviously the, the danger and the uprise and anti-Semitism is horrible and we want people yes. to be safe and we want them to be happy and healthy and all those things. And yet um, it's always that challenge that when the anti-Semitism rises that we feel that calling um, to, to tshuva, to spirituality, to something, you know, more um, kind of more transcendent, more holding on to our people. I wish, I wish that there was a way that Jews could feel motivated to, you know, be connected without, you know, um, kind of yes, having... without um, needing to, yeah. Yeah, without, what, there's an expression, and of course now since I'm uh, on the radio right now, I'm with our feet to the fire, coals to the something, there, there's something, but I'm, I can't really ask you for a, an idiomatic expression in English because... Your, your English is much better than my French, but my English should be better. Um, well, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today. Any, any kind of uh, closing thoughts or, you know, um, ideas about, um, I don't know, where, where you think things could be heading? Or I guess maybe like what, what do you think the, the hope could be if, if things went, you know, um, meaning like they're, they're you know, fighting a war right now in Syria. That's how, uh, you know, the, the French government is responding. But yes. there's, a, there's a lot of homegrown terrorism that you have right there. So is there talk about, you know, I don't know, trying to find the, the cells within, within the country as well? Is that something that the French people are aware of, that they're trying to find out who's dangerous amongst you to make life more safe there? They're really doing big, 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 operations, arresting a lot of people. Just today, there was a huge intervention in a city called Saint-Denis, which is in the suburb of Paris. Mm -hmm. They arrested a lot of people. There were terrorists who blew themselves up. It was really a mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they are acting. They are really trying to do something. Yeah. But, well, yeah. It's it's gotten the the numbers are so out of hand right now. It's hard to be able to tell um, the the good guys from the bad guys. And I guess maybe my my final question, my closing question, might be is a better one that I asked yeah. you. Have you met any Muslims who tell you that they're on your side, that they hate the extremism, and that um, they they wish that you know that that stuff would end? Have you been able to meet any kind of kind and you know peaceful Muslims along the way? Yes, I have met some of them, but mm -hmm. then you don't really know what they think. Mm -hmm. But I have met good Muslims, of course. Yeah, it's such a it's such tough times that we're in too, because you know, for the, for the good ones, the ones that want peace, they are being yeah. you know kind of controlled um, and abused just as much as we are, and and you know, I guess maybe in some ways doubly because 
they look like the enemy to us in the same way. And so how do you how do you do borer? How do you separate the good from the bad um, in a case where people are willing to give up their lives to kill you? Well, yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us today and for giving us more of a, a balanced look. I think um, a lot of people, or at least myself, but I think the impression that we've gotten here for a while outside of France is that, you know, everyone's making Aliyah and, you know, there's no part of France that's safe for a Jew anymore. So it is good to know that, you know, there is Jewish life continuing and that, you know, Torah is being learned and mitzvahs are able to be observed in a public way in, in many places and... Um, and it, it's inspiring to hear that um, this rise in anti-Semitism is, you know, uh, kind of reigniting um, a spark in, in many Jews. So we thank you so much for your time and your perspective. And, um, and we, you know, we pray for peace and for safety for, for, you know, our Jewish brothers and sisters in France, for the French people at large, and, and really for the world at large that is um, under attack by, by these extremists. So thank you so much. Thank you for caring. Oh, my pleasure. It, it, it would be very hard uh, not to care. <laughs> <laughs> All the best. Okay, and that was, um, that was Rachel Yarach um, speaking to us outside of Paris uh, this morning, giving us a little bit of information on the ground. I think, you know, as, as, as we know, the media always gives us kind of the most uh, extreme details, the most salacious details. For me personally, it really was, um, I, I feel a lot better knowing that French life is continuing. I still probably feel a little bit mixed about going to France, um, you know, just because there are the, the more dangerous areas at this point, um, and, you know, especially, I guess, just France in general with uh, terrorism. But definitely helpful to hear someone who can kind of give us, you know, the, the real story of what's going on day to day. Um, and we will uh, be on an encore session next week for Thanksgiving, but then after that, we'll be back to our regular programming the week after that, same time, same place. Thanks so much for joining us today. Stay tuned for more great Nachum Siegel Network programming.